Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. Thank you for joining us on the First Energy Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Production Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. Great to have you with us, and as always, great to be joined by Jim Jones as we continue our look back at some of the unbelievable guests that we have had in that Legends chair, courtesy of Jim's famous Black Book. And boy, Jim, uh, this week we're going to take a look back and a listen back to one of the more fascinating conversations we had on Cavs HQ. That was with Spencer Haywood, a guy that you know very, very well. Obviously, that's why he's in that famous black book of yours. But, boy, this is a tremendous conversation with Spencer Haywood. I think it's tremendous, Tim, for, from a lot of perspectives. One in particular is that when he mentions Thurgood Marshall, yes. as far as being one of the one of the architects of uh, siding with him as far as uh, free agency was concerned and the right for gainful employment based on the Sherman Antitrust Laws, I just thought that was so unique and put that whole interview on another level. Also, the reason that I left college was because the year before Spencer Haywood had left and uh, he was the motivating force for me turning pro at 19 and playing in the ABA. The third thing is that we're both from Mississippi. He's from Silver City, Mississippi. All my people are from Holly Springs in New Albany, Mississippi. And the first time we met, it was just like chemistry. I met him in the summer league before I turned pro. My agent lived in California. He also represented Spencer Haywood. We stayed in the same building. Many a day I was over to his house in awe with my mouth hanging and slobber <laughs> drooling. I just couldn't believe it. He, and he was so regal, six foot nine, six foot ten, two thirty five, long arms, big hands, GQ. I mean, he was just everything I thought a great player should be. And then to have an opportunity late in my career and his to play for the championship Lakers in 79 in the first year of Showtime. All of those unique things I remember about 
the great Spencer Haywood. Boy, it's going to be uh, fun to listen back to this conversation. He was just awesome. So, Spencer Haywood talking about a lot of different topics, as Jim Jones said, is coming up next. So, stay with us. You'll enjoy hearing this again as Spencer joins us on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Welcome back. It's Tim Elkhorn along with Jim Jones. And, of course, each and every week on Cavs HQ, we have a legend settle into the legend's chair. And so uh, getting good and comfortable in the legend's chair for this edition of Cavs HQ is indeed an iconic legend in the NBA, not only for his playing career, but really an historical figure in the NBA, and we'll delve into it with our guest in the Legends Chair, Spencer Haywood. So, Spencer, first of all, a huge thank you to you for coming on the show. Hope you're comfortable in that Legends Chair as uh, you're joined by your former teammate, Jim Jones. So I'm sure there's going to be a story or two about that as well. Got a few. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, before we get to those stories, I want to I want to paint the picture as far as uh, your remarkable life and your career. Uh, I'll try to run through it quickly, but for the younger fans perhaps listening or not familiar with Spencer Haywood, uh, I'm just going to go through this. You were one of 10 children in Mississippi. You grew up in Mississippi, but then you moved to Detroit as a teenager to live with your brother. So you play high school basketball in Detroit. 1967, you led Pershing High School to a state championship. You then go to junior college in Colorado, where you averaged 28 points and 22 rebounds per game. You're then a member of the 68 Olympic gold medal team. You lead that team in scoring, the 68 gold medal team, 16 points a game. Your sophomore year in college, you go to the University of Detroit. There, you average 32 and 25, 32 points a game, 25 rebounds a game. Then you decide to turn pro, which, of course, is in violation of the NBA rule at the time regarding players having to come into the NBA after their college season would have concluded so you say heck i'm going to the aba and at 20 years old 20 years old in the aba with the denver then rockets you average 30 points and 19 rebounds a game and you were rookie of the year and mvp oh my goodness and we haven't even touched on the nba career yet (laughs) did i miss anything there spencer not nothing at all you're perfect Oh, my goodness. So uh, let's start with, first of all, your short college career, uh, the junior college stint in Colorado, and then going to the University of Detroit. And after that sophomore season at the University of Detroit, thinking, hey, the numbers show it, my talent level shows it, I'm good enough to go to the NBA. But you knew the rule. So what in your mind says, I've got to challenge this rule. What happened was, in the beginning, when I went to Trinidad State Junior College, I signed with the, un- with the University of Tennessee as the first black to sign in the Southeastern Conference. Adolph Rupp 
the then coach of Kentucky, had lost to five blacks in uh, 66 Texas Western. And so he felt he should have the first black player in that conference. I mean, you know, so-called superstar. And so there was this rambling back and forth. And so Will Robinson, who had adopted me and raised me, who also became the first black coach in Division I history at Illinois State University, he asked me to, like, go down to this very fabulous place in Colorado, which was <laughs> 40, <laughs> it was supposed to be 360 miles from, uh, 360 miles from Denver, and it was supposed to be 25, 30 miles from Denver, and less than <laughs> that from to Albuquerque, New Mexico. So I get stuck out there, and, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Jim, you know how this, uh, your people do. Uh, no. you know? So we get we, we, so I'm thinking I'm gonna go party in Denver. I'll party up in, in in Albuquerque. I'll go down. You know, it'll be fun. I get out there. It's like we're uh, like all of these. We're like 420 miles from Albuquerque, 365 from Denver. So all hmm. I had to do is just play basketball, play basketball, and study. And I was just studying. I had my head in this book because. If you maintain a B average in junior college at that time, you could then leave after one year. So, and and that happened. Well, when what happened there was in '68, the U.S. Olympic team was getting assembling their players, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said, "No, I'm not going to go to the '68 Olympics. I'm going to boycott." Alvin Hayes and Wesley Unsell said, no, I'm not going to the Olympics. I'm going to sign my pro contract, which normally you, def- normally you deferred your contract for a month right. until the Olympic Games are over, and then you go in because you could not play as a pro. And so they came looking for players. So they said, well, let's make put together a junior college team to play against the NC2A and the AAU team. The AAU teams were big back then, and we had a, y'all had a great team coming out of Akron Goodyear, Calvin Fowler and Jim King, who made the Olympic oh, team. Okay. Right. Yeah. Wow. And so, so when we that. got down here to the Olympic trials, uh, Jerry Tarkanian had put together this uh, junior college all-star team. So we came in there, and we were beating everybody. We was playing. We had Johnny Johnson, uh, Cliff Mealy, John George Trapp. I mean, you know, all of the renegades were, like, in junior college at that time because it was new to the NC2A that you would be bringing in uh, black players on, on, onto your team. So we just went the junior college route and would come back in. And so Hank Iver saw me play, and he was like, oh, Jerry, don't you play that boy too much. Now, I think I'm going to pick him. I'm going to pick him. And so when they get ready, Jim, to pick the team, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I got me some gear. I'm going back to Detroit, show my boys. Hey, man, I tried out for the Olympic team. Hold it. Spencer Haywood, you're a pick. (laughs) (laughs) First player pick. I'm like, well, oh, my God. That's an amazing story. (laughs) So we, we get to thinking, you know, and, like, everybody's like, well, we got to put in and get you, get you, have your parents send you send right now while we're practicing up in Alamosa and in, in Colorado and so on. 
have them get your birth certificate to you. I was like, oh, boy. I signed an affidavit when I moved from Mississippi to Detroit, and my mother signed an affidavit in Detroit and went back to Mississippi. So I didn't have a birth certificate. So the, the, the Olympic Committee was going crazy. How could you be born an American without a birth certificate? I said, I have one. <laughs> so so, so they, they called my mother and said, Mrs. Haywood, you know, we got to have this, his birth certificate. She said, yeah. I got a birth certificate right here, but I'm not sending my Bible because <laughs> I, I, oh, I, 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 I have to go to right. church on Sunday. This Bible do right, not right. go without me, you know. So <laughs> we go down to Mississippi and we <laughs> they take a picture of the Bible on the John 21. That's where I was written in the Bible because I was born by a midwife in, in rural Mississippi. So uh, they get John 21, we get the birth certificate, and I get back to, the, to, to Alamosa, Colorado. I'm like, I got this birth certificate. Let me, let's open it up. Charlie Scott, JoJo White. I open it up. Let's see what it says. And it says, Spency Haywood. She didn't know how to spell my name. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, let's sneak in a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll delve more into this awesome story and life of one Spencer Haywood as he reclines in the Legends chair. On Caps HQ. Caps HQ, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones and an extraordinary NBA legend in our Legends Chair, Spencer Haywood. We're honored to have him. So, Spencer, you were telling the story about the Olympic team and so forth. And so, uh, before we move into uh, the ABA, uh, what was your thoughts on the league? Because it was certainly an upstart league, but it had some great talent. Uh, what were your thoughts on going to the ABA? Well, I wasn't thinking about going to the ABA because Will Robinson was offered the job at the University of Detroit if they could sign me. And they signed me. I agreed on, on all principles, and so did Will. And once they got me, they said, well, we got you. you. You're too great of a player to leave, and where, where can you play? And, and the NBA had drafted Kareem number one that year, and Kareem and I was on the All-American team. Jim, let me just tell you all about that All-American team. <laughs> <laughs> the, the leading score on the All-American team in 68, Pete Maverick averaged 44 points okay. per game. The second player behind uh, Pete Maravich was Rick Mount. He averaged 39 points per game. Mm. And the player behind him, Calvin Murphy, averaged 33. And so there I was at 32, and there was Kareem at 29. <laughs> <laughs> so we were putting them up. <laughs> and making it. <laughs> so no, they, they came to me uh, and said, well, you know, uh, Hannah sure. Storm's father, Mike Storm, who was yes, uh, public relations Mike. and sort of acting yeah. commissioner for the ABA, said, look, if we, can, we can sign you to go to the, uh, to the ABA if you could just get five points and maybe two rebounds. This gambit would work. We would have something that we can then undercut the NBA and their yeah. draft. We'd get all of the guys before they get to the NBA, and this gambit would work. 
So I was like, hey, my mother's still picking cotton in Mississippi for $2 a day. And her, yeah. her back had went out. So she was dragging a sack of cotton and she couldn't do anything. So I was like, yeah, I think I'll, I'll try it out. Wow. And that's how I ended up in the ABA. And the NC2A and everybody jumped on us and said, hey, you can't do this. You're breaking the rules. This is my violation. That's right. That's right. Spencer, and so we went ahead with it. The, the whole league endorsed it. And, and so I went to play there in the ABA. It was fun. It was fun. We sold out all of our games, our home games. But we had players posing for calendars while we were playing. We had <laughs> oh, slam dunk. Card. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jim, guys would lay on the bench posing for a calendar, and we're warming up. And we're like, wait, wait a minute. We got to go. <laughs> <laughs> because we were selling this new upstart league. And yeah. and so my first game, I'm playing with Louis Dampier and Dale Carrier. So I'm back. I'm chugging back. I'm chugging back. And I, I had heard of the three-point shot, but I was like, ah, ain't nobody going to be shooting that thing, you know? So I'm chugging back. I get back set back in the middle, and I'm waiting for somebody to come driving in. They they pass the ball out to the corner. Swish. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and they kept doing it, man. They were sharpshooters. So the ABA was so much fun. You know, Spencer, uh, I have to give you all your accolades, uh, but you're the reason why I turned pro at my sophomore year at Marquette. There's only been three people in our game that to me are gods. Bill Russell, I respect him so much because of his uh, off the court social justice uh, initiatives, but also on the court winning all the championships. And then you came and I came up to see you play Marquette. And you, had, <laughs> yeah. I think you might have had 38 and 28 rebounds and I never seen anybody dominate anybody. And I used to go see the Bucks play all the time. I never saw anybody dominate like you. And then Kareem, and uh, you know, uh, I was blessed to play with him in my last year in L.A. But the point I'm making is this, Spencer, is that coming from where you came from, I just want to know one thing. Picking cotton, my people are from Holly Springs, Mississippi. Oh, boy, you right around the corner. I know. What were you thinking <laughs> about as a kid growing up so that these young kids can get an idea of what it takes to be successful. I mean, just give me something to hold on to. We, we got other questions and we got time. But what was your thought process that you saw and that unbelievable desire and courage to do what you did? The Supreme Court, Spencer, really? You went to the Supreme yeah. Court? Talk about that yeah, for well, a minute. Okay, well, in, in Silver City, Mississippi, where I'm from, and I want to remind you both that there is no silver and it ain't no city. It was only, <laughs> so it was only, it was only 375 people. And we were scattered all in these cotton fields. So I would pick cotton from sunup to sundown. And so my brothers and I, we would always say, who's going to be the best cotton picker this county had ever witnessed? And so I was working from, from sun up to sundown, picking this cotton, and I, I enjoyed it because I was it's competition. And so I was right. trying to outdo my brothers who were older, and they were geeking me. You know, you you got big hands. You could do this. You could be the best. 
And, <laughs> and so I picked the two rows, uh, which gave me eye and hand coordination. I picked, I pulled a sack of 100 pounds when I was 10. And so my legs and body had developed. And so I ended up doing all these things to get to be the best cotton picker. And lo and behold, a basketball came into play. My mother said, we're going to let you guys have a basketball court right here in the yard. Don't worry. And so we played in, in the yard on our basketball court. And that's when I first fell in love with basketball. But the first golf, the first game that I loved was golf because I was a caddy at the country club there in, oh, in Silver okay. City because that's, we had so much sure. land, they built the country club there. So, uh, basketball came to play and I, I just fell in love with it. And I just, I just played it for fun. I was just, I just loved to play. Then when I got to Detroit, all of these great players, uh, I had to play for a place to stay when I was, when I, when I moved up to Detroit, my brother was at, guess where? Bowling Green State University. And so I was supposed to stay and play at Bowling Green High School, but I didn't. I, I went on over to Detroit, and Will Robinson set up this exhibition where I played against uh, all of the high school players, George Trapp and all of those guys. And then uh, I played against the, the college players, which was Cassie Russell, Bill Buttons, and all of those players. And then I played against Dave Bing and John Tresvan, Reggie Harden, all those players at, in this game. It was like at Crunk, uh, outdoor basketball court, and they were like yeah, amazed at how long I could play, and they kept pushing me. Like, how long can he play? He played one game, and the other young players trapping all of them. He ain't going to play another game. And I was like, I've been picking cotton for, t <laughs> for 12 <laughs> hours a day. Are you nuts? Yeah, basketball is easy at that point, no doubt. All right, we got some... giving me some Converse shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Great stories from our guest in the Legends chair, Spencer Haywood. We've got more with Spencer. He's agreed to stay on a little bit longer. He loves that Legends chair. So stay with us on Cavs HQ. Larry Nance Jr. from the Cavaliers was the recipient of the first-ever Bleacher Report Kicks Community Award. Larry was chosen for his work this past season to raise money and awareness for local businesses in the Cleveland area. Wearing a shirt featuring a different company's logo as he walked into each game all year and then selling his or a teammate's game-worn jersey from that night to raise money for the local business. A great idea from a great human being. Congratulations, Larry. Cavs in the Community, brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be right back with more Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. Oh, we're having a great time on Cavs HQ in the Legends Chair. And certainly an NBA legend, not only for his playing, but for his historic role in the NBA, Spencer Haywood and Spencer, I want to pick up there because uh, we mentioned earlier you challenged the NBA rule that a player had to wait until his graduating senior class in college uh, would be done before entering the NBA draft. Seattle signs you and before your graduating class, and this case goes all the way to Supreme Court. Uh, Supreme Court rules in your favor, and so the NBA at that time then established what was known as hardship cases 
uh, for about five or six years, and then they just said early entry. But hardship cases. So without you, without you, the LeBrons, the Kobe's, the Moses Malones, I mean, all those young men that came out early, uh, you were the trendsetter, very similar to Kurt Flood in baseball as far as free agency, but yours was the early entry for NBA, correct? Correct. What happened was was the in, the ABA signed me to a so-called $1.9 million contract in 1970. And so with that contract, they stated that I would they would put $10,000 into this dog off plan created by this Jeff Dogoff guy. And when I get to be age 50 to age 70, I would withdraw the money as a, as an annuity. Right. And that was supposed to reach 1.5. But then they put a stipulation into the contract. You have to be employed by Ringsby Truck Line who owned the Rockets in order mm-hmm. to get the money. And you got to live that long. And so I got this young lawyer named Al Ross, who was a young, young upstart lawyer. He was, you know, trying to make a name for himself. We'd go into the office of uh, the Ringsby truck line in the Rockets and said, you know, we just want you to correct this contract and, and we're going we're gonna to be fine. And then we got in touch with Seattle, with the Seattle okay. Supersonic, Sam Schumann who was to change the system in the in the AB in in the NBA because the NBA they had never had a player at an early stage. And so Jerry Colangelo was like, you know, we need to make a move because this ABA is going to steal all of our players. Let's take that top dog. And so that's how I ended up signing with Seattle. And and Sam Schumann says we have to fight this. And I was like, let's fight it. My God, I want to play. Because they initially wanted me to set out for that year. But then I would have to go back into the draft. And who knows where I would end up in the NBA. Yep. And so we filed suit for the rights to play. And I got a 10-day injunction, a 10-game injunction. So I step on the floor and I'm thinking everything is fine. I, I, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood like Mr. Rogers, but no, they said, ladies and gentlemen, we have an illegal player on the floor, number 24. And I was like, that's my number. (laughs) So they they kept saying that for 10 games, and then they get an injunction against me. And they got their injunction read, ladies and gentlemen, we have an injunction against number the illegal player, number 24, and he must be escorted off this grounds in which this arena is set on. So they pushed me mm. out off the grounds in which the arena is set on, and it was in Cincinnati. And I, they put me out into the snow. I, I'm standing out there freezing my tail off, and I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? Then I get another injunction. Then I get they get another injunction. We worked all the way through the court system, all the way through, and we finally get to the Supreme Court. And when we got to the Supreme Court, we thought we had a friend, and we did have a friend on the court. We had Thurgood Marshall, who's, who was saying, wait a minute. You mean to tell me you can send a man to Vietnam at age 18, but 
this man can't make a living for his family and his family is picking cotton in, in Mississippi? No, we're not going to go for this. So we are going to rule in Haywood's favor to play in the NBA under the Sherman Antitrust Act. Wow. And that's when I started to play basketball in the NBA. It that's was a, a long, treacherous year. Wow, and the NC2A the and the colleges, everybody was like throwing bottles on me saying, you, you're going to rob the colleges of their richness and this and that. It was just crazy. Spencer, one game that I went to the, in Milwaukee, they were trying to boo you. And I remember Kareem standing up, walking out on the floor. When they announced your name, they were booing. And he started clapping. You know, he was there yeah. to encourage you. Before that, it was like all of the, the older players were told by the owners and by the agents that these young mm. guys are going to push you out. So you have to mm. be in protest and boycott against this player, too. So Kareem, mm. normally they would go down into the locker room and leave me up there for a little while and let me sweat. But Kareem didn't go down. He just stayed up. So Kareem clapped, and he was like, and that's when the Sports Illustrated caught the cover and said, "Oh, we got, we got, we got one. We got the young guys coming. They want to get it on." And so that's when the union said, "Okay, let's just let him play." Well, an amazing NBA career it would turn out to be. Five-time All Star, just under fifteen thousand points, over seven thousand rebounds. Uh, the career average, 20.3 points per game, 10.3 rebounds per game. Amazing. And inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2015. We've got one more segment with Spencer Haywood. We're having a blast with this guy as he's very frank and forthright in the Legends chair. So we're going to get one more segment with Spencer talking about his playing days with none other than Jim Jones. So stay with us on Cavs HQ. Welcome back. It's Caps HQ, Tim Elkhorn, Jim Jones, and, of course, our fantastic production team on the other side of the window. And that's Marty Allen playing the great music throughout the show today. Kurt McLaughlin doing some serious editing back there. And, of course, Leo Simone enjoying it all. And, of course, uh, Jim Jones and our guest, Spencer Haywood, as he has settled very comfortably into the Legends chair as part of this Cavs HQ. Well, Spencer, I mentioned uh, an extraordinary NBA career. Of course, your time in Seattle and then the Knicks, New Orleans, the Lakers, where you won an NBA championship uh, with my co-host Jim Jones. Uh, some time in Italy, and then you finished up with Washington. But uh, Jim Jones, my illustrious co-host, my broadcast partner on Cavaliers Basketball, what was it like playing next to and being a teammate of Jim Jones, Spence? Jim was special because Jim was carrying two positions. He was carrying the backup role for the center, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he was playing behind me as a forward, a big power forward. So we go to camp up in, I think it was Palm Springs. Palm Springs, yeah. And so, you know, I'm out there trying to get my legs back because I didn't work out during that summer and I didn't do the things I should have been doing. But here was, we got all of these great young players coming in and I'm trying to figure out, well, let me see how good this guy is from Michigan State. Nah, man. So we're out there playing. <laughs> we're out there playing. And every time you look up, 
and you think where you should have the ball, he puts it right in your hand. Pow! And you just, oh, man, this is easy basketball and layup. And, and, and in practice, you know, you're 10-year veterans, and you're like, why are we, like, jumping up and down in practice, man? What's going on here? <laughs> so Kareem whispered over to me, man, we got to reverse our, our age here because these guys are going crazy. Uh, Norm Nixon he was flying, pushing the ball up the floor so fast and pulled yeah. up shooting threes. He had Jamal Wilkes, who was like slingshotting that nice, smooth shot on the corner. <laughs> we had Jim coming back on the left side, hitting jump hooks. And I was like, whoa, I think I got to go get high. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> actually, that's what I did. Actually, that's, that is what I did. And it wasn't that I, I planned it. I wanted to ask you about that because, in all seriousness, and you've been a lot of fun on this show, we're having a blast, but uh, you went through some turbulent times in your career, and uh, you've been very forthright uh, about your substance abuse issues. So uh, share with our listeners uh, basically uh, what that did to you and your career, but uh, how you've now uh, totally turned your life around. Yes, well, in that same season, what happened, I'm hanging out with the people that I knew in the recording industry, in the modeling industry, because I was married to Iman and the whole fashion world and all of the movie world. So I'm hanging out up in Hollywood while Jim and all the teammates are like, you know, getting prepared to win games. I'm sitting up there at this big house. So this guy's back there cooking up some cocaine. So I keep looking at everybody, keep coming out and their eyes all bugged out. So I thought, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try one. So I took one hit, and I swear, it was like something had grabbed me, and it wouldn't let go. I just kept going back and back and back and back. And then I would come to practice. I had an attitude because I had to have some quaaludes to slow down the coke. And so I would fall asleep, and I was just a nervous wreck. But I didn't. I kept saying, Man, I'm all right. I'm all right. So I'm not getting enough playing time right now. I was in so much denial. And I tell Jim this story often because I figured, you know, Jim at the end said, Spence, hey, he shook me. Hey, man, you can't be doing this. We got to play. We got a championship. And that's the first time because I went a whole season and nobody put me in check. Yeah. And so I, I was like, okay, okay, okay. And so I got through that season. We got the championship. I was on the sidelines because I had been suspended for three games, and uh, it was a terrible time. So then they shipped me off to Venice, Italy, because the league was like, we're going to make an example. We don't have a program for our players. Who uh, yeah. And at that time, we had a, a, a real crisis in the NBA with substance abuse, cocaine in particular. Uh, so I went to Italy, and my wife then – put all of her work in Italy and France and all of that. So we had a, a real good time there. And then I came back to play in, in, in Washington. Jim and I was on the team there. And I was, you know, like I was doing really great. And then my wife had an automobile accident. And that's when I went home to take care of my wife and my children and her, her sisters and brothers because they're Somalians and they were in my home. And, and I started to get myself straightened out and get something done. So Iman, she's a 
Well, you know, all of us models and everybody, we go see a psychiatrist. I'm like, you, what the hell I look like going to a psychiatrist? And so she finally got me in there. And when I went in there and I started talking out my problems, and he was, he was like, you got a drug problem, but you got a lot of other problems. So I started just peeling off the layers and peeling off the layers, and I started to realize that I had so much baggage. I had baggage from Mississippi, being abused in Mississippi so so tough. Uh, that Supreme Court case had me really. I when I when I used to talk to Kurt Flood, he was like, "You ain't gonna be able to play. You're not gonna be able to play." And Kurt Flood, he was there at the Supreme Court. Muhammad Ali was like, "What are you doing here?" And so he was there, and here I am, I'm like 20 years old. So. So it was just so awesome to to get the kind of help that I need, and I now I'm a. This is my 30th year in sobriety, but my oh, 30 years awesome. of like getting the help I need. My daughter Shakira just used to see me going and dealing with my help, and she became a psychologist and psychiatrist. Oh, She's great. now 30 oh. years old. My youngest daughter Isis is over at Slam Magazine. My next daughter. Uh, Nikia, she's a professor at Lincoln University, and my oldest daughter, Zuleika, she's at uh, Iman Inc. and also Coke Industries. Wow. So uh, I've been fortunate. I've been married to my wife, Linda, for 30 years. I still have a relationship with Iman. We have a a granddaughter, So, and I have two grandsons who tell me they're going to be a basketball player, but my granddaughter says, I'll be better than they all of them. (laughs) Hey, Spence, we got a minute, about a minute left, but real quick, uh, I know you've got uh, videos and books, correct? If you want to give that a quick Yeah, I have, I have the book. The book is called The Spencer Hayward Rule because the NBA never allowed my name on my ruling because it was always, you know, he fought us to the Supreme Court, so we're not going to put his name on the ruling. So now Adam Silver and... And uh, Michelle Roberts, they're getting ready to put the name on the ruling, so you won't be saying one and done, early entry, blah blah blah. It will be the just the Spencer Hayward rule. So that book is wow. out, and I it's truly it. special. Yes. And also, I have the movie Full Court, the Spencer Hayward story. It's prime. It's on Amazon Prime right now, streaming. Okay. So, oh, that's yeah, awesome. I am. I will be watching. Well. Spencer Awood, I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed this and, and your former teammate Jim Jones as well. This has been a blast. Uh, can we get a promise from you that you will come back at some point? Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, we'd love to have you. This has been a real treat. And so, uh, again, you, we look forward to the next conversation on Cavs HQ. Let's look forward to it. Okay, oh. thank you, fellas. Oh, it's awesome. Thanks, no, Spencer. Thank you, Spencer. Spencer Haywood. Right, Boy, you. he was more than comfortable in the Legends chair. What a guest. That was awesome. We'll come back and we'll put the finishing touches on Cavs HQ. Welcome back. Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Great to have you with us. And man, what a conversation with NBA legend who was very comfortable in that legend's chair. Spencer Haywood and Jim as you talked about when we opened up the program uh, all the different aspects that Spencer was able to cover with us uh, when we initially had that conversation with him but uh, just a fascinating guy aside from being 
an all-time NBA great. Yeah, and one of the things that people need to understand that he was the first. He was the first player to go another direction against the status quo, and he stood out there alone, all by himself. There weren't many athletes that supported him that I know of other than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who supported him full-heartedly and would say it in the papers. But Spencer was on an island by himself, and all he wanted to do was make some money in doing a sport that he would play for free. So in order to win the case, he had to, it went all the way to the Supreme Court. It changed the way this game is played. It changed the way all of the major sports are played now. It changed the way of how we talk when we talk about amateurism and professionalism. Spencer Haywood crossed that line, and he fought for everyone. Now, Jim, when we initially talked to Spencer, the whole ruling hadn't come down about college athletics and athletes now being able to make some income, derive some revenue off of their name and likeness. Great point. Do you see that shifting the paradigm at all as far as guys coming out that they can at least now maybe not get paid to play at the college level, but at least derive some revenue from what they do on a basketball floor or a football field or whatever the case may be. Tim, that is a great, insightful comment because Spencer was the first. He was the catalyst to get people to think above the traditional right? and start thinking that if these guys are bringing in millions, the fundamentals of, a, of an economic system, especially in America, capitalistic, is why shouldn't they be getting some type of money for it and quit bailing out and saying they're getting an education? You know, because I went back 35 years later and got my Marquette degree after I turned pro at 19. So all of this starts with Spencer and all of it ends to this point with these guys being able to get paid. And Tim, they know their value. The uniqueness of a LeBron James, a Dwayne Wade, of uh, Mahomes who plays football, they all know their worth. And uh, it's all because of social media information. It's out there for everybody now. You just got to Google it. These kids are different. Spencer was different. He knew his worth, and he was willing to fight for it. And this is how you get a situation now where they have to pay these guys. They can now go out and gamefully seek some type of monetary uh, recollection or recurrence because of their performance on the football field, basketball field, uh, court, and even in track and field. Yep, great point. All right, Jim, on that note, we're going to close it out. But that was a great conversation with Spencer Haywood. Uh, again, Jim, thanks for you. Thanks to you for lining that up. Thanks to all the guys on the other side. Biggest thanks goes to you, the listeners. Hope you enjoyed it. Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. And until we talk again, so long, everybody. 